0: Good evening, and welcome to another episode of The Fire Caves, a Star Trek Deep Space Nine podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Perry.
1: And I'm your host, David. Tonight we're talking about Season 3, Episode 14, Heart of Stone. Before we continue, you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube as The Fire Caves, a Star Trek Deep Space Nine podcast.
0: Absolutely, and as I say every week, you should find us and follow us because we are a good time, and uh, we're going to be doing some different stuff pretty soon, maybe have some uh, merchandise for the Fire Caves heading your way, so if you want to get a couple of things when we put all that together, the only way I've decided that you're going to be able to do so is through Twitter, so um, trying to break things up a bit to just you know kind of spread us out, you know. Um, so yeah, just uh, Follow us, and you will see all the links that you'll need to when that stuff comes up, and you can be the first to get yourself some official Fire Caves merchandise. Woohoo! All right.
1: Yeah, Perry. I just want to quickly suggest, like, this is one of the items, right? The little mug with the fire absolutely. Caves on it. Yeah, yes. you sent our, this to me. Our like, coffee mug. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's wonderful. I've been using it. It doesn't quite fit in my car <laughs> cup holder as well as I would hope, but I've definitely been using it just around the house. Uh, it's a lovely size, not too big. I think I told you when you sent it to me. It's like just the right size for. So I didn't have a size like that for a mug, or at least one of the the, the, mm-hmm. the coolers, um, tumblers. And mm-hmm. so yeah, for anyone who needs a nice, not too big, but like a decent coffee-sized uh, mug, fantastic, fantastic.
0: Yeah, when I was um, when I was looking at them and picking out the design, I when I saw that size of the cup to me it was just like the quintessential like captain's mug right you couldn't have something really big on the bridge you know you need something that's kind of compact and you can you know carry carry around but also you can move away quickly when the action happens so that's what i was that was my thought process behind getting it giving you something that is is efficient and Obviously, hold your coffee, right? I didn't think right. about cars for some reason. I was like, nope, this would be in your office, you are you know, whatever. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, anyway, all that to say, there will be options available um, soon. So, again, right. we're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. We're on YouTube. We're anywhere you can listen to podcasts. I do it on Spotify um, as The Fire Caves, a Star Trek Deep Space Nine podcast. So, if you're interested in what we're up to and in getting any of these things, please find us, follow us, and we'll make it available. Yeah. So, before we get into our episode tonight, David, how was your week?
1: It's been interesting. So, this was Thanksgiving weekend for us. Uh, I imagine most people are um, listening to this shortly after that ha- uh, that holiday. Um, unfortunately, my father was feeling under the weather. Uh, he's been feeling kind of sick for a couple weeks. And on Wednesday morning, he, um, he went into the ER because uh, he was just feeling dehydrated, had a headache, was just having a bunch of issues and a lot of symptoms that don't quite add up, unfortunately. Um, so he was in the hospital for two days. I mean, he was able to recover, you know, getting a, an IV helped and like getting his electrolytes replenished helped with certain things. Uh, but he's still not 100%, which is unfortunate. Um, they almost thought he might even have cancer on his liver. And thankfully that yeah. proved to be not true, which is great um so he and my mother were supposed to fly out on friday to go visit my grandmother and his side of the family uh just you know this, they did last year do that again but he had to miss the trip um but my mother and i did see uh we all three of us were supposed to go see the new knives out movie called glass onion uh mm-hmm. knives out for those who people remember it was a daniel craig film it's a murder mystery film so this glass onion was a another one of the murder mystery uh, types with Daniel Craig returning as the only character from the first film that returns. And uh, it was actually fun. It was pretty good. I still think the first film knives out was probably better, but not that glass onion was bad, um, but it was fun. So we, me and my mom went and saw that. And then uh, we had a uh, black Friday at work. That's a big sale for us. And that was good so far. Um, definitely lower traffic though. I think uh, than we've seen in, in past years. So, There's a concern out there that things might be slowing down out there in the economy. So hopefully nothing too drastic goes out there anytime soon. Um, And yeah, I finished another book today. (laughs) Uh, A biography of Thomas Paine, which I had started before. I only had to finish the second half of the book. Uh, I think I might have mentioned it in the past. Uh, Thomas Paine was one of the American... or Well, he was an Englishman who came to America during the Revolutionary War and wrote the pamphlet called Common Sense... Which basically convinced most people that a uh, break with England was a good idea, and basically uh, confirmed and started the Revolutionary uh, War with England. So, a fascinating character. I look forward to reading more about him because I also have his uh, um, some books that had his writings. Uh, so, for example, late in life, he published a work called "The Age of Reason," which was a anti-religion. Book And he basically Mm -hmm. tore the Bible to shreds. He, he, he said the Bible is a false document full of contradictions and all this stuff. And at the time that was a big no, no. It meant he got ostracized for the rest of his life. All the people he had been friends with and very popular with, um, suddenly he was persona non grata. Mm -hmm. Um, he was also there for the French revolution, which he thought was going to be like the American revolution. But unfortunately for people who know history, know that the French revolution, turned violent and that led to the rise of Napoleon Bonaparte and the uh all the things that happened around that but anyway fascinating character fascinating figure in history uh the the biography I read was by Charles Harlow Unger if I'm saying correctly uh and it's he's done a lot of great biographies that I've read so far so anyone who's interested in history would probably appreciate that kind of thing but that was me that was my week how about you
0: um well I you know, as you said, it was Thanksgiving, so I did a smaller Thanksgiving with just me and my daughter. My family was um places elsewhere doing my extended family was elsewhere doing other things, but it gave me an opportunity to of course get into the um Star Trek cookbook, as I yeah. said that I was going to so we um the the making of certain dishes was a success, however, the taste of certain dishes not so much so um now you know there was there was a lot of trying to stay true to the recipes and then some things just not working out like not being able to find certain things in the area you know Mm. um the good thing about the cookbook is most of the stuff you can find there were just some um certain like vegetables or whatever that i couldn't get a hold of um and i think it's mainly probably because of the time of the year you know i'm doing this in the winter time certain things just aren't available right now so you know I, i think that's what was more my issue not because it's so exotic i couldn't find it or anything like that but um another thing that was interesting was um the majority of things in here are uh vegan and vegetarian friendly okay now obviously featured right here on the cover this is this is meat this is a pork loin and there are there are meat dishes but the majority of the things that i found in here are fruit and veggie based so they are wildly accessible to everyone um not a big fan um of kids though Ah. uh you know getting kids to eat vegetables is hard very hard (laughs) and um one thing that I made in particular that I really enjoyed, surprisingly really enjoyed, um, was the Hasperat. I um I've been talking about that one. Probably it's probably the for me, it's like the f- trek food. You know, easily accessible because it's the veggie wrap, you know, but it's supposed to be spicy. You have to have this spicy brine to it. And it is, it's just mainly vegetables wrapped up in a, you know, tortilla or whatever, right? right. And um, so that's what I did. I, I um, roasted all of the vegetables that I had. I had kimchi because that's what it was called for in the recipe. And um, I found that I really really enjoyed it especially the kimchi in there like it was spicy but it was a different kind of spicy not like not you know just peppers and stuff you know it added a whole other um flavoring to it the acidity from the um from the cabbage because you know kind of like think like spicy sauerkraut i guess would be the best way to to think about it and I really enjoyed that flavor mixed in with all the other vegetables and everything else. So that, to me, was great. The Leola Root uh, soup that we made, again, I loved it. The kid did not. Um, I don't blame <laughs> her. And then, I, I don't blame her because, I mean, it was it was a bit intensive to do. And then some of the flavorings for it um, were strong, but I found them pleasant. She yep. didn't. Um, she did like the Shadra that we that I made, but that was kind of like... Um, like glorified mashed potatoes. So I think that's why that worked for her. And then the Ragova eggs was another favorite, mainly because of the look, because you have to dye the eggs all these different colors and stuff. Yeah. So um, she really enjoyed that because we had eggs, like some of them were streaked with blue and purple. And then we had other ones that were like greenish blue and had little flecks of yellow and everything else in there because I had intentionally staged the, you know, um, the food coloring so that it would be like, you know, the egg would be in there in one color for, you know, maybe 15, 20 minutes and another one for another 20 minutes and, and then back and forth doing that. So it worked out really well on that a bit labor intensive. I'll tell you that, um, right. For, for glorified, um, deviled eggs. I mean, you're doing a lot of work mainly for the coloring and then you have the flavor is whatever you want to make your deviled eggs taste like, you know? So um and then we did of course the traditional turkey and mac and cheese and stuffing and whatever else. So there was a lot, but I ma- uh, like a lot of different things for us to eat, but I made them in, you know, smaller sample sizes so that it made it easy to navigate. Right. And um overall, again, I enjoyed it. There were some things I didn't get to make that I had initially planned to make, but that was mainly because I ran out of time. Um so I have decided to move those to um christmas and they're desserts anyway so i feel like they'll work better at christmas than thanksgiving so we'll see so round two of the cookbook stuff is uh will be coming up i did take some pictures of some things trying to do video and record like the steps that i was doing to make things was a nightmare so i got just (laughs) pictures because it was obviously it's just me doing it so until i get like a gopro or some kind of camera yeah. down on my head or whatever that's probably not going to happen yeah um,
1: a lot of those kitchen shows or uh, cooking shows like a camera above the food you know yeah. down on it one on, uh, on the person so they can talk mm-hmm. to the camera um, and then, like, be the one on the side to like give you a different angle. But yeah, I can imagine yeah. trying to work that is probably pretty hard. Yeah, trying
0: <laughs> to—I was—I—I I did try. I—I did, I did try to film some things, and it just did not turn out very well. I didn't have right. anything I could really prop the camera and mount it to very well. And then lighting was an issue at one point. And so I was just like, "Look, here's some quick picks. I'm going to post them to our Facebook page. So if you want to see what the hasperat looked like and what the leola Rootsuit, those two are my favorites." What if you want to see what those look like? Those those pictures will be up here really soon, so you'll be able to see those. Right. And um, I'm not going to put the recipes out only because this is coming from the official cookbook, and I don't feel it's right for me to copy their recipe and put it out there like that oh, if you yeah, want it that's, yeah that's fair yeah you gotta yeah okay if you to find out. yeah if you want it go buy it i think the author was at one point giving out like bits and pieces of recipes on twitter so yeah. just if you want to find her and, and do that then that's fine but i'm not going to do that i'm just going right. to show you here's what i made following her recipe
1: gotcha.
0: there it is um, yeah that's
1: great
0: yeah i also finished a book yeah.
1: um finally yes. finished
0: the first one i finally got it done and i have begun of course the second one yeah. so uh i am i'm into it we are coming right along and i'm quite ecstatic about that i i loved um the first book um went back and watched a couple episodes of the first season yeah. again just to kind of be in that again but um i definitely loved the first book already looking forward to the second book already enjoying the second book um the the uh, getting into the stuff about Bobby um, and getting that perspective of hers, which I felt like I didn't realize how much I felt like it was limited in the show, yeah. and now we're getting so much more, and then there are some differences. There are some things that they've already done in what I've read so far that are different in the book than what we saw in the TV show, but yes. again, I appreciate those differences that I've seen so yes. far, so totally I'm agree. enjoying it. I'm enjoying yeah. it. So, yeah um i
1: i'm telling you i mean we've been doing those after dark episodes and we've talked about yeah. expanse on there i'm like we need we need to do like a deep space nine show and an expanse <laughs> show just straight up just go ahead and do the book versus tv show version because man i love the show i'm loving the books yeah it's it's fantastic
0: oui. It may, it may come to that. I don't know. I mean, I'm not. I'm certainly not opposed. I enjoy talking about it. I've been, right. in, and like I said, I've been enjoying these books. And now that I've figured out a way for me to get more reading done, because that was always my issue with the other one. I just always felt like I never had any time. But now I have figured that out, and that's why I was able to get through the rest of the first book so quickly because I got that figured out. So now I'm getting ready to, you know, this week. I'm back on it, and um, yeah, this is going to be. Um, I think it's going to be a fast read, so I'm looking forward to it.
1: Calling for you, I know. Like I can hear, (laughs) I
0: can hear, and I went ahead and uh, I got the one after that as well. So I'm ready as soon as um, as soon as the time comes. So no waiting on that. But yeah, that has been my week in a nutshell, and um, looking forward to a new week. All right, all right. So now we are ready to talk about Heart of Stone. And um, I think I will go ahead and give the recap on this one. Do it. Uh, Let's quick. go for it. So this is a definitely an interesting episode uh, for sure. We get some big reveals here in this episode from um, a couple of characters, really. And it's the first show that I feel like where both the A story and the B story – could have both qualified as A stories. Like typically you have an A story that's that's obviously the primary, right? And then the B story is kind of like supplementary to this. But in this episode, I feel like the B story was just as important and impactful, if not more so, than the A story. And um we're gonna get into that. Uh-huh. All right. But for a quick summation, episode starts on a runabout. We see Kira and Oda when they're coming back from a Bajoran colony and um Odo seems to be a bit, you know, upset with Kira. He's annoyed with her. And she's trying to figure out why. And he tells her that it had something to do with somebody had invited them to dinner and she had turned down the invitation without speaking to him. And this kind of hurt his feelings a little bit. Our our gruff and tumble security guard is uh, deep in his feelings on this ride back. (laughs) So, uh, while they're on their way, again, they're kind of working through this and everything, and they get noticed that um, a ship has been attacked by a Maquis raider. They're the only ship that seems to be in the area to answer the distress call. They recognize that the ship that was attacked is okay, so they're going to go after the raider. They set off after the raider, and it ends up um, uh, crashing on this rogue planet, right? And there's a bunch of caves and whatever else, and so they... In their quest to both arrest the uh, Maki Raider pilot and also uh, make sure they were okay, they beam down to the, or they go down to the planet. However, so they can't beam right. down; none of their equipment right. works. Nothing is right. working there. So they beam, they again land <laughs> to go looking for this criminal. Right. And in the process of looking for the criminal, um, Kira's foot gets stuck in some crystal, right. and she can't free it. And so then they, they're trying to uh, free her foot from the crystal. And everything they do seems to make the situation worse. Um, he beats on it with a rock. Nothing happens. Uh, she shoots it with her phaser. That causes it to grow. And then over time, it's just growing more and more up her body, yeah. which is also squeezing her, right. suffocating yes. her. So mm-hmm. she's not just being in case she's being suffocated. So Odo tries different ways to free her from it. At one point, he goes back to the uh, runabout to launch a communications buoy and to get some equipment and and all that stuff. And then on his way back, he hears phaser fire. Turns out that the the criminal they had been chasing had stumbled into the cave where Kira was, took some shots at her at a surprise, and then darted off. Um, Odo sets up some equipment. He's trying to find the right... I think he says like oscillating frequency of the crystal to make it basically shatter. vibrate and yeah. shatter. And he tells a very interesting story about some Nausicaans breaking into a bank, which again, we'll get to later. <laughs> I thought that was, that was interesting, right. but, um, he sets his equipment up. He starts the generator to do its thing, but it doesn't work. It, no matter how many sequences it runs through, it never seems to be working. Um, Kira is slowly suffocating and the the caves are also uh, shaking. They're seismically active. Right. And the caves are in there. She's, they're worried that the cave is going to collapse before he can free her anyway. So she orders him to leave. He refuses. There's a weird back and forth about why won't he leave until finally he admits that the reason he won't leave her is because he's in love with her. And he has been in love with her for some time. She tells him that she loves him as well and this kind of sets off red flags in Odo's mind. He then starts reanalyzing the situation and realizing that the oscillating frequency generator thing should have worked. Um, There's no reason that it shouldn't have. So something else is wrong with the scenario. He also realizes that from where Kira was standing and the supposed shots from the Marquis phaser, there's no way that he couldn't have hit right. her unless he was intentionally not aiming for right. her so now he's putting all these things together and he's like oh you know and i've watched you for years and i know that you like me you respect me but you there was never an indication that you were in love with No me. romantic so interest there yeah. you're you're right you're you're lying to me so that means that you're not kira because kira wouldn't lie to me so who are you so now he's aware that this is not kira and at this point the form shifts morphs and it becomes the female changeling that we met several episodes right. ago Both Kira and, and the she-
1: crystal are actually her yeah the crystal was fake
0: yes well. all of it is her and so she then tells us that she, you know, was worried about Odo and wondering about him and why he chose to leave after having been gone for so long and finally finding his people. Why did he choose to leave instead of staying with right. them? And how they had thought that it had something to do with Kira. And so they were trying to figure out, she was trying to figure out what that was. And now she knew he was in love with her. And she tells him all the stuff about how Kira, you know, they're solids. They're not going to feel the same and all the other Kind of stuff, and he's just like, "Where's Kira?" And she's not going to tell him at first, and then he's like, "I'll shoot you basically." and she's like, "No changing has ever harmed another, and he says, "There's always a first time, <laughs> and points that phaser at phaser rider for dramatic effect, and then she tells him, "Yeah, Kira's in a stasis pod around the corner, right. basically. So before the caves collapse, you know, she beams out, he goes and finds Kira, they make their way back to the runabout, they get back to the station, and Kira's asking, like, why did she impersonate me? And he's like, Well, it could have been anybody. You were you were the one in the shuttlecraft with me, which makes right. sense. You're the only one that was in the shuttlecraft with me. So of course that's why she impersonated you. But the real reason she impersonated you was because they knew there was feelings. Right. Yeah, he doesn't there. say They're that, but we discover. know that as the audience. Right. 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 So then our b brought is uh, Cisco sitting in his office and uh, Nog is trying to get in. And uh, O'Brien tells him Nog's waiting for him. He agrees to see Nog. Nog comes in, drops a big pile of Latinum on his desk, and he's like, I'm officially, according to Ferengi culture, I'm officially a man. And upon entering adulthood, we're required to purchase an apprenticeship from a... a A leader of some kind, a respected elder, whatever. And he says, and I've chosen you. So, of course, Sisko's kind of taken aback by this. And he's just like, you know, not really sure, whatever. And uh, Nog's like, I'll convince you, you'll see. And he leaves the office, leaving the pile of Latin in there. And then we see him later on. He's working in Quark's bar with his dad. And his dad's being berated by Quark for basically just being an idiot and things not working. And we can see that this is kind of making Nog upset. Yeah. Um, Quark leaves. His father, uh, Rom, leaves. Jake comes in. And he's like, oh, that was a pretty clever joke you played on my dad um, about wanting to join Starfleet and uh i told him you were joking so don't worry about it this pisses nog off and he's like i wasn't joking you go back to your dad and you tell him i wasn't joking i was serious and so that doesn't happen or at least we don't really see if that happens or not so i'll give jake a pass on that we don't really see if that happens or not um uh Cisco runs into Nog later on, and he's like, hey, have you given any thought to my request? And he's like, yeah, I've decided, no, I'm not going to well, do that. And he's like, why, why not? And he's like, because your reputation on the station sucks, your grades are mediocre, and you've gotten in trouble with Odo a few too many right. times. And so um, Nog is just asking him for a chance to prove himself. And so Cisco says, or like, finally agrees to give him a right. chance he tells Dax to clear the inventory that they had and that he wants Nog to re-inventory this particular cargo bay that is full of very sensitive, very expensive Starfleet equipment. She's shocked by the news that Nog wants to join Starfleet and then she's even more shocked when she's like, you want him to do this, this job with all this equipment? And he's like, yep, give it to him. So she does... He does the job. He does the inventory. Actually, does a fantastic job with the inventory. Finds some things that they have lost and presents the report to Cisco. And they're just kind of like blown away with his ability, right? But Cisco is still not 100% convinced. So then Nog comes back to his office and he's just telling him, he's like, I just, you know, no, I just don't think so. And and he gets to him and he's like, why do you want to do this? Like, what is driving you to want to join Starfleet? Is there some kind of scheme, some kind of con? What is it? Nog finally breaks down and tells him it's because he doesn't want to end up like his father. And he tells him, you know, his dad is a mechanical genius. He can fix anything. He could have been an engineer of his own starship if he had been in Starfleet. But his only hope hope is to somehow, some way. Take over his uncle's bar, like that's the only the aspiration his dad can is have. The only thing right that
1: he chose to follow, and he's regretting that. He doesn't want to be like his dad. Yeah, 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 yeah,
0: right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. Yeah. He wants to do something worthwhile. He doesn't want to end up that way, and he feels like he can do that in Starfleet if he's given a chance. And so, after his very impassioned speech, and and Cisco seeing some understanding in the boy, he agrees to sponsor him to join Starfleet, Starfleet. Yeah. and that and so that's yeah, essentially that's that for them there is a little scene later on where quark and rom find out about his intent to join starfleet and quark's like no nephew of mine is going to be in starfleet and rom's like uh no if he wants to do it he can he's my son you may have say over the bar but when it comes to my family i I make the decisions and I'd be proud to have my son inside. Great moment. And so that's that story. Son. It was. It was a great moment. <laughs> yes. Great little moment for both of them. And uh yeah, that's essentially that supposed B storyline yes. that we had there. Yeah. So both great compelling stories, but again, I feel like they both could be A storylines, not Well, from
1: what I'm reading here on Wikipedia, it sounds like that's how they started thinking about the episode themselves. Like, the Odo Kira was originally with the A-plot, and then they started developing the nog Cisco story and kind of promoted it to, like, a a side A-plot. Like, they both are kind of A-plots of sorts.
0: And that 's all, and I bet you i a hundred percent believe that that 's because Nog and Cisco turned in stellar performances, surprisingly good performances with, with, not not expected again, they probably walked into this thinking this was a B plot story, but when they got to those scenes between the two of them and watched the gradual change in the the relationship, the tone. Cisco was kind of dismissive at first. Then he's just a flat-out no. And then there's the reversal at the end, and and Nog being so articulate and passionate. I have no doubt at all that that scene is why they they went that way. Right, no doubt at all. Yeah. Once again, Avery Brooks is fantastic. <laughs> so.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess I'll go ahead and talk about Great this stuff. thing because there was one moment where, uh, yeah, where Cisco he's talking with Nog and he's trying he's he's telling him even after the inventory, which you know Nog apparently knocks out of the park, and he tells Nog, "No, I, I just I just can't do it." And you can tell that he's basically trying to pressure Nog into telling him why he wants to do it, why he wants the. Um, why he wants for Cisco to give him a recommendation and when he grabs nog by the shoulders and shakes him i feel like it was just a little much i feel like that was probably further than both the character and avery brooks as the actor needed to take the moment i don't know if he was directed to do that Uh or what but like the the idea of him physically grabbing someone and shaking them to get them to answer a question whether it's a villain or nog who's still a boy technically I mean, he's still like what Fourteen, fifteen. 15, even if he's an adult in Ferengi culture. Um, it felt a little well, much at that point, so I was a little off-put that uh-huh. he kind of shook him. But I totally understood that this scene was supposed to be about Cisco flatly denying him and even aggressively questioning him why you want this. You know, why aren't... I mean, tell me more, basically. So, yeah.
0: So... I do know that Nog is older than that. Now, we, we have already established that Jake around this time is about 15, 16 years right. old. And it was mentioned in an earlier episode in season two, I'm going to say, that Nog is older than Jake. Right. And so with him approach officially achieving manhood status in Ferengi culture, I have always assumed that where Jake is 15, Nog is probably like 18 or 19. Oh, okay. Now, this, so now the scene that you're talking about where Avery you know, every Brooks grabbed him and, and shook him a bit that too. I, I was always a little jarred by that because it, it, it feels so clumsy yeah. and it almost seems like he was, there was an intent yes to grab him, but I think that the difference in size and trying to move quickly for both of them throws things off a bit. So it looks more intensive than it really is. And so that's why I've always kind of given that part of pass. Cause even I thought initially it's like you, you could have gotten his face, but you didn't need to grab right. him. But it also serves to kind of highlight the intensity of both of them for the moment. And it helps Nog to break down a little right. bit and to give us the truth of why he's trying to get into right. uh, Starfleet. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, I still think it was a great scene. I, I loved um, Nog's speech. Uh, Aaron Eisenberg did a great job here of communicating that desire to be more than what everybody was just kind of assuming he was going to become it was just basically he you know following in his uncle's footsteps in his people's footsteps chasing profit doing things for profit all that kind of stuff and him realizing he doesn't have that particular you know bent in life that kind of acumen or whatever but he knows he's got other talents elsewhere he's just looking for a way to Draw them out right. and to be useful in another way, right. and I think it's great that Starfleet is the obvious alternative for that right. for him. Yeah. So, um, and what an evolution of the character, which I also loved. I mean, when, again, when we first meet Nog in episode one, <laughs> he's he's a thief, he's a lookout for a thief, and we've now watched him go from being, uh, you know, a thief and a scoundrel, basically, you know, running around getting in trouble to. Being in school, being taught to read, um, he works in the bar. You know, he's got a job to keep himself out of ch- trouble. You know, and now here he is taking the next step, realizing he doesn't want to live that life. He wants to do something better, and and he wants to now join Starfleet. What a great, you know, rise up of the character that we've seen right. the the maturation of the character right. now. So um, yeah, definitely enjoyed all of that, and I love Cisco calling him out on his BS. You're you're a troublemaker. You've you're, your grades suck, and you've been arrested. Right. So why would Starfleet want right. you, you? Yeah, know? and
1: for Avery or for I'm sorry, Cisco to take the the reputation reputational risk of actually backing mm-hmm. Nog at the end. I mean, we know Cisco. We know that he he will. That's the type of man he is. He's an honorable guy, and that means taking risks on his own behalf, on behalf of others, and. Uh, we, we know that, well, we only we suspect that he'll he'll go through with it. Uh, but yeah, it is going to be a risk, you know. Does Nog have what it takes? Is Nog going to fit with the Federation? Which is also interesting because from what we remember of Jake, Jake does not want to go into the Federation. He's seen his dad. It's like the opposite right. story. He's seen his dad in the Federation, mm-hmm. and he wants something else for himself. Um, more freedom, basically, if I could remember his motivation um but yeah i think that's it's really interesting that the two characters uh both the, the the fathers and the sons for the same reason want the opposite thing as their father um and mm-hmm. it's it's it's, not, it's fascinating i will go ahead and quickly mention um, in my research of star trek stuff i do know that you know eventually nog does make it into the federation i don't know any details but i do know one detail and that's that. He is one of the few people that successfully uh, does the uh, Hop the the Kobayashi Maru test. That's Kobayashi Maru yes. test. I, I don't know oh. details, but from the
0: infamous the infamous Kobayashi yeah, Maru. Yeah, he uh, manages some oh. sort of
1: diplomatic solution, if I understand correctly. I, again, we don't have to like go into mm-hmm. any details uh, if we if that's coming in wait you know down the down the line. But um, I find that great. You know, Nog is gonna prove himself a valuable member of the Federation at some point down the line. Yes. So.
0: so to go into, I guess, the Nog lore, apocrypha, whatever you want to call it, um, as we all know, the actor who played uh, Nog passed away a few years ago, Aaron Eisenberg. And to honor him, um, yeah, the story of Nog has already reached legendary status. Yes, not only does he um, you know, join Starfleet, but he is um he's a ace cadet, he becomes an ace officer, he rises quickly, he becomes a captain, he gets his own ship and all that good stuff. He ultimately serves the Federation with such distinction that later on a whole line of ships is named after him. So that wow. you have the you have the USS you have the USS Nog, and it is, and again, and a wink and a nod to Aaron Eisenberg. It is the Eisenberg class ship, so that was their whole, you know, tribute to him and both both actor and character. So yeah, Nog is a legend already, and and out of all the children that we have seen portrayed in Star Trek, which isn't many, like uh, again, to be. Truly featured as as recurring regular characters, whatever on the show, Nog is the only one who actually has that path. Uh, as we've already indicated, Jake does not want to be in Starfleet, never joined Starfleet. Um, and then Wesley Crusher, who had all of the advantages early on and got all the experience and everything else, ultimately leaves Starfleet. Yes. So he is not a not a Starfleet officer he drops either. Out Nog is the only one
1: as well. Yeah.
0: That's right. Yeah, so he he becomes a traveler, you know, whatever that means. Basically, he's a space bum, in my (laughs) opinion. Space bum. So,
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah, pulling magic tricks Um, on people.
0: All all powerful space hobo. So um, that's that's what he is. 'Cause if you remember when they introduced the travelers, that's what they do. They bum rides on different right. cultures, ships and stuff, and they teach them a little bit here and there about propulsion and warp theory and whatever in exchange for passage on their ship. Right. So yeah, they're space bo- They're space hobos. Yeah.
1: That's that's it. We'll teach propulsion so, technology for a ride.
0: <laughs> yeah, real real quirky gimmick there. We'll give you a, we'll hitch a ride to the next space station or whatever. In the meantime, we'll teach you a couple of tricks, which really only work as long as we're on your ship. And then once we leave, we got you, and now you can't, you can't duplicate it. So yeah, Space Hobos. <laughs> the Travelers are Space You're Hobos. they are not wrong. <laughs> wrong.
1: Say it here. <laughs> um,
0: we don't see much of... I guess Bashir is the only one who's not in this episode. Um... I don't remember seeing him. I think
1: him. he's in one scene for a moment, saying, "Oh, he's talking with Cisco at one point about there's some alien male who's pregnant with with palps or."
0: That's right. That's right. The ensign who was Buddy, yes, who's uh, I guess yes. the, some ensign who's a asexual reproducing creature, right. and so he needs larger quarters, yes. and they had bought him some baby clothes would, yes, for the new ones right. that were coming. That's yeah, correct. That's the only. Scene so yes, yeah, we did see him. And in, Dax is only yeah. in
1: it in so much as she is with Cisco with uh, giving um, Nog his assignment about the inventory. And O'Brien mm-hmm. is only in it in so much as that he's the one who calls into Cisco to say, Nog is here at the beginning of the episode looking for you. Um, so, yeah, those three characters you know, have minimal parts in this episode. <laughs> Go ahead.
0: It always makes me wonder, though, like, and I'm sure this is covered somewhere, but you're a part of an ensemble cast, which means you have to be on set. Like every day, whether the episode's about you or or features you a lot or right. not, you have to be so on they set. They call for you, you and say, "Hey, we, a, we just wrote a you, line. Right. we
1: need you to go do it." Yeah,
0: yeah. because because especially on a, something like this, because on a you're on a ship, you're on a station, whatever. So your population is contained. So if you were there in the beginning, unless your character died, you have to be right. there consistently throughout the thing. I always found that, you know, um, interesting, and I always wondered if it was challenging for them to know they still had to wake up at, like, 4 a.m. to drive to the set to get in makeup and costume and all that stuff, just to film a three-minute scene and then they're just hanging out all day. Like, are you getting paid for the full day? Are you just paid for the scene that you were in? Like, I always wonder, like those questions. Cause I guess that's how like my mind works with my job and everything right. like that. Like I, if I'm clocked in, even if I'm not doing anything, I'm still getting paid. Right. So I'm wondering, is it the same as true of them? Like they clocked in at five, but they finished their filming at seven 30. So now are they just collecting a paycheck while they munch on the stuff at the craft service table?
1: <laughs> well, I imagine the main you know, actors like, probably have it as a flat salary, but yeah, any of the background people, they're, they're hourly on some level
0: i'm sure right i mean i would i'm not saying i would knock it i mean i get to dress up and be in the costume and then i just hang out and kind of do laps around the promenade all day right so that you kind of appear in background scenes and everything i would do it i would definitely do it but yeah like 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 o'brien for example we saw him in the beginning you know again he's ushering nog in but we don't really see him ever again so like he got up he got dressed he's there like what's he doing the rest of the day is he is he's just chilling in his trailer listening to music waiting in case they need to call him for something else or is he did he go home like I, i would imagine he didn't go home and i also think that they probably filmed a lot of episodes back to back right or did multiple whatever so it's like okay we've now finished all the shooting for Uh, heart of stone we're now moving on to the next one and just kind of doing that or today we're doing scenes for heart of stone past tense like all that kind of stuff maybe they broke it up that way i don't know i've never been involved in any of that stuff i would love to get some behind the scenes knowledge of how the actual filming of stuff work because i would imagine they must film multiple episodes at a time just to fit in the stuff for the budget and stuff but yeah i could be wrong i don't know well, now we have to turn our attention, of course, to our actual A plot here, which is Kira and Odo and our female founder. And uh, so what did you think of the whole setup here for the revelation of Odo's feelings for Kira?
1: Um. Well, going to the setup, I did find the idea that they were chasing a ship and they land on this moon planet with you know, all the quaking and all this and the that. It, it it was a lot of setup for what our payoff was. And our payoff is interesting mm-hmm. and important and definitely sets up future things. Um, but part of me was a little, frankly, bull-bored. <laughs> the idea that we're just sitting in a cavern trying to solve the crystal problem. It's not working. Mm-hmm. And then finally at the end, um, we get the reveal that it's not her. And part of me suspected... Mm-hmm. There's something wrong here. It's not her. I mean, the the two of them split up, which is always the no no. You don't split up.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. That that's also made it quite obvious to me too. Like as soon as they said, as soon as she said it, I was like, you don't want to do that.
1: Exactly.
0: Like that was my first thought. You don't yeah. want to do that. Why? Why? When has that ever worked for exactly. anybody in the history of anything?
1: When in the history of anything has anyone ever split up and someone been okay? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so I was wor- I was wondering what was going on. I didn't suspect necessarily a changeling. Uh, in fact, I mean, I don't I don't remember what I was thinking exactly, but this starts off as the Marquee ship that they're chasing. So yeah, more, it was more of a Cardassian Maquis issue, not a Dominion issue. Um, so I didn't like the twist. I like the idea that the female changeling is very good at changing into other things. She can mimic Kira perfectly, yeah. where Odo still has trouble making Ooh. facial features for himself she can not only mimic Kira to perfection, but she can also pretend that a crystalline aspect is affecting her and do stuff. It was very interesting. And in, in that sense, it was good. Um, I also like the idea of you learn Odo's name, where that comes from, that it originally was a Cardassian yeah. word that was actually two parts and they broke it into two words. And then they just called him Odo the first part of it. And that the whole word in Cardassian just meant nothing and so he always thought of himself mm. as nothing. And then when he started to think he had friends, when people call him Odo, he thinks of them as actually talking to him. He's a person. Um, he's not just a nothing. Um, so yeah, I like that little story. But <laughs> when, uh, when Odo says, I love you, I, I'm in love with you. And she goes, and I'm in love with you too. I stopped it right then and there. I was like, damn this woman is cold man barile died last episode i mean literally last episode she's already moving on what the hell and then to find out okay no it was not her she was not the real person i was like okay good because man that would have been what quite the curveball uh it actually makes sense then that you know odo realized like wait a minute she wouldn't say that, and I also
0: felt like <laughs> also felt like her saying "I am in love with you too." It was delivered poorly, which I always chalked up to it's because it's the it's supposed yes. to be anyway, the female changing. So it totally sounded flat. It lacked any kind of sincerity, in my right. opinion. Like I just I didn't I didn't I can remember even the first time when I watched it when she said it I didn't believe right. it, and so I was just like, yeah, no, something's something's not right, right. here. This isn't whatever and then you know later on to find out what's going on was yeah of course like oh okay um really crappy for the female changeling to say it as further manipulation of Oda it was like what was your end game here because if you if if he did what you asked right. and left you to die then what was what would have happened kira would have died in the cavern somewhere right. the real kira he would have left and then what would what were you hoping to gain out of right. that? So yeah. I thought it was a stupid thing for the founders to be doing to find out about Odo, especially when it's clear that Odo was still very much into his people and there would have been plenty of other ways for them to um, learn something like this about right. him it, without it being this kind of cloak and dagger yes. BS. I, I
1: agree. I agree, it felt very cloak and dagger as you just put it. The other thing that I was thinking about yeah. is the this this plot line requires us to basically be in one room. So there's if you've ever watched the show community, there's the 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 bottle episode, um, which talk
0: That's yeah, th- <laughs> the
1: idea that we're gonna do all the action, all of the storytelling in one place. it's budget saving. And uh, according to Wikipedia, they were trying to do some uh, budget saving here, but yes. I mean, all of the CGI they had to do in this episode probably bumped that back up again real quick. Uh, so yeah, yeah, it it
0: I could see that because I mean, they've got to do the whole morphing rock, and and, and then of course and then the build dissolution that, of the thing into into the changeling, and then yeah, the thing that's covering Kira has to be built the up caves have again, again and again. Set for that, yeah.
1: So um. So I guess what I would say is, is that the setup for the Kira Odo part of the story, I mean, if it's our main plot, it gets most of the time, which makes sense, but it also makes it feel a little bit slow. I was a little, again, a little bit bored, a little bit like, basically it's just talking. There's not much action. In fact, all the action that supposedly occurs, which turns out to be a lie, it all happens quote unquote off screen. Like the guy shoots at her off screen. She gets caught off screen. Um, so it was a little slow, which
0: again, again, makes no sense when you consider that the founder, she clearly, cause she beams out later on, which means she has a ship nearby, which means there are other people on the ship. They couldn't have had a third person who would have been like causing different problems to kind of heighten the danger of the, of the moment, you know, other ways to address this, um, this issue here. Than, than what we're given. So yeah, it does make a lot of things ring flat, which works to Odo's benefit. If you're kind of staying immersed, you know, in universe and everything else as to why he's able to put it together and realizing something's not right, right. about everything that's going on. Cause I mean, that's, that is really how you feel. Right. And I, so I would say they succeeded there because in watching this, that's kind of how you feel the whole time. Something's not right here. Like this doesn't make right. sense. Like I felt that way. I, and I continue to feel that way every time I watch it. It, it just it ring, Everything rings false. Like, what she says seems false. Their inability to figure anything out also doesn't seem to make any sense. Right. Um, all of your technology doesn't work, and yet for some reason your phasers do. Like, there were so many things that just were, like, inconsistent yeah. that it's just like, this whole thing seems like a setup. Yes. And I wish they had played that more, because right. then it would have made the reveal more satisfying. Right.
1: Exactly. And again, the, the idea that Kira was the one who suggested they split up, which is the very thing was necessary for the changeling lady to capture Kira and make the whole thing happen. Yeah, so the setup for what was going on was a bit forced, a little drawn out. But again, we learned stuff about Odo. We, we learned stuff about Odo. This, yeah. is a, this is an episode we learned about Odo. Uh, we learned his hit backstory. We get him to confess his feelings for Kira. We get him to talk with one of his the changeling's... Um, and again learn some of the abilities that changelings have i mean she is able to very mm-hmm. convincingly per- uh, portray kira up until the moment where she quote unquote uh slips up as odo later tries to say that it was she she slip of the tongue she says i'm gonna slip of the tongue but he won't mm-hmm. tell kira exactly what it was that was said um yeah and again that moment when <laughs> when the kira says it it's like dang, this woman is cold-hearted. She just... I mean, Brile just died. Like, what is going on? Just died. But, uh... Just so when it was revealed that it was her. I was like, okay, all right, okay. That makes more sense. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah.
0: So, overall, I would say that I did... For me, it's like a 2 Because, like, again, I can remember when I first watched this episode. And, you know, I felt for Odo here. Because he he's kind of wrapped up in the moment and he makes this big reveal and we get a lot of reveals about him. We learn he, you know, he's not the stick in the mud that we, that he was kind of portrayed as, you know, this stiff, stiff backed individual. He goes white rotter rafting with uh, Chief O'Brien and sings um, sea shanties as he calls them. Um, He uh, obviously is in love with Kira, but also like, The whole establishment, like you said, of his name and the story behind it, it's a Cardassian word that means nothing. The Bajorans split it up into a a Bajoran name and how he's taken that to mean, going from it means nothing, that I am nothing, to I'm me. Like This is who I am. When they say Odo, they mean me. They don't mean nothing. They mean, yeah, and there's respect behind it. There is camaraderie, friendship, and he never had that until... Kira and Cisco and the others and it just kind of makes you sit back and like in that moment you know you're realizing how stark a difference there is between when the Cardassians were in charge versus when the Federation is now in charge and how they treat people like he went from thinking he was nothing to now he is a person of importance of consideration he's a part of their group they make him feel like a person and to me, like I, I feel like that's a lesson that is skipped over by the founder when she reveals herself. When she's like, "I don't understand why you want to stay with him." It's like he literally just told you he's been treated like crap forever until these people came along and are treating him like an equal. They don't, they don't view his abilities as something to be scared of or to be exploited. That's just another aspect of the man that they see, and she just it was all completely glossed over. I think that would have also made this episode or this this plot, anyway, this A plot to me would have been better if they had focused more on that and him trying to communicate that point to her because it's clear that she thinks that solids as they call non shape-shifting people okay. um they think of us as inferior and that we are weird we're dangerous because we can't change shape and here is one of her own telling her no these people are friendly they're genuine they they just want to know us right. you know and all of that is completely lost yeah. completely subverted here by everything else that's going on yeah. so i wish they had focused a bit more on that i would have enjoyed that Um uh, but yeah we didn't see that at all so right. But oh well, I mean, it's not to say that we won't necessarily. I'm actually really excited because we're getting more and more into the, the greater uh, story arcs, key moments that we're seeing now, which will play out later on in other episodes, of course. And um, I'm just excited for it because there's some great stuff coming up, man. And you're going to get to watch it for the first time. We're going to be all in it. So,
1: gotcha.
0: Oh, man. um so overall what do you what do you think of this episode overall yeah
1: um well it's interesting while i do feel that a lot of the storytelling was slow as i mentioned before especially with the kira uh i'm sorry kira odo situation um it's very clear this episode is important for character development we have odo publicly confessing at least to us the audience that he is in love with kira we have uh nog preparing to make changes in his own life so this is an episode that's definitely important for those characters. Um, however, it's not the most exciting episode. I mean, the Cisco Nog ep- part of the episode is not exciting per se. We don't have some great, drastic problems having to be solved. It's purely character growth, where we have two characters mm-hmm. being confronted with each other. You know, Cisco, who is in the Federation, doesn't need money, is being bribed by Nog to. Into the Federation, which is how the Frangi work. Mm. They bribe people. That's not. That's that's totally acceptable to, to put a, a ridiculous, obscene amount of money on the table to get what they want accomplished. Um,
0: yeah, that's important to know because that was his life savings. Yes. It wasn't just a sum of money. Yes. It was Nog's life savings up to that right. point.
1: And the way the two of them are so, both pushing it yeah. back and forth the table at each other, like uh, accept it. Uh, you i think you're forgetting this take that with you and ultimately cisco lets Nog leave it um again cisco shouldn't be feel bribed by it because the federation doesn't have money they don't need money they don't have need for that stuff uh which is just a fascinating uh comparison to the ferengi culture and even our culture like you know, if if Cisco did accept it, is there anything on the books in the Federation saying that he has committed some sort of problem? He's done something wrong. So,
0: so let's talk about that real quick. Currency in the Federation. So it's pretty much been agreed upon that Starfleet and the Greater Federation does have some sort of currency barter system. That makes sense. That they're... Is there, is that whole drive acquisition of wealth thing, the way that we live our lives, is that still a thing for them? No, but because it's basically been talked about that because the Federation recognizes that in dealing with other cultures, an aspect of commerce is going to be present. So in order to deal with that, they have come up with ways to interact with other societies on those levels when necessary. Their officers are not paid. However, your needs are certainly met and then accommodations are made for you based off of merit. So if you've worked hard, if you've established yourself through uh, a certain practice or skill set or whatever, then you will attain, you will have the option to have certain things. That's kind of how it goes. No one is suffering and no one is living in squalor or whatever that is. But at the same time, if you are the top scientist in your field, no one can touch you. Yes, you are given certain privileges that the next scientist down doesn't have. But at the same time, that next scientist down that they don't have, they have every opportunity and every ability to make themselves better and to collaborate and work with the other person's better. There's no stopping of that. What's up? Yeah, What's up? it's
1: it's it's a fascinating um, idea. If if what we can use with yeah. money is to buy the things we need and want, and we remove the need aspect, we no longer have needs that need to be met with by money. We can get the food and housing, etc. We need, and it's just wants. Like there's the episode where Data is ki- is kidnapped on TNG by the collector guy, uh, the criminal mm-hmm. guy who collects things, and so Fazio. Yeah.
0: Kiva and so
1: that guy is wealthy in the sense that he has collected things, and I think it's monetary as well. I don't remember the episode well enough, but
0: yeah, he has he has an unimaginable uh, wealth, right? And then by the end of the episode, it's all been stripped away, exactly, and he's left with nothing, right?
1: So. so there is still the want aspect of money and what it can get you. So again, the question that is not directly asked, but certainly you can start exploring is was Cisco being forced into a position of compromise by allowing Nog to leave the gold press latinum? Um, I don't think he was. Mm-hmm. I imagine. I mean, I don't think, he was. I don't think he was certainly on a personal level. We know he's not. Uh, if anything, he'll, he'll just keep it in the back room and use it to bribe Quark in some point in the future. <laughs> I
0: was going to say that he, I was going to say, and most likely he just turned it over to some, organization that could have used it, some kind of charitable organization exactly. that could have used I mean, it. I mean I I you part know part of me
1: does hope I and mean, it yeah. sounds like from what you just said it doesn't happen. Part of me does hope that he holds on to it and then when Quark is begging him for something or he needs something from Quark, he's gonna use it to turn it around right back on Quark, but I don't know. Sounds like that I guess won't happen.
0: <laughs> I mean No. I I liked to me I the the other time that I appreciated what they say about commerce and the way that the Federation uses it is what Cisco does in a previous episode where he basically calls in Quark's bill and he's like, you've been running your bar and we, we do all your maintenance, all your upkeep, all your power, all your demands and whatever else that your business needs to operate. We've been eating that cost all this time. You've never had to pay for anything. Well, now, unless you do what I say, Payments do, you know, and that immediately changes Quark's tone because he realizes that with the Federation, obviously he was getting away with a lot. I mean, the replicators being available for all of the people to come in and, and get food from him and, and all that kind of stuff. The holodecks and the maintenance and the energy consumption of the holodecks. He's got exclusive access to that. He's also... Charging people to right. use, like imagine that being like to break that down in a, in a system that I feel like we could we could appreciate. Imagine our government bought and paid for Amazon, right, and everything that Amazon has, and yet Jeff Bezos still charged us a fee, a fee. <laughs> yeah. You not to subscribe to, to Amazon and, and to Prime to the membership, right? Yeah. yeah, right. How pissed would you be <laughs> if you found that out? Wait a minute, the federal government has paid bought, and part of, full all right. of it paid in full for amazon and i'm so my tax money paid for amazon yes. and i'm still paying bezos you would be outraged and, you would absolutely and be actu- outraged and you would have every right to and actually
1: this is great it brings up the point that rom is trying to fix one of the replicators for quark and mm-hmm. rom says you know if you keep running these 24 7 they're they're going to keep breaking down and uh, Quark is like, well, then you should have fixed it already. And apparently, in the contract Cork has with with um, Rom, it says everything is your fault. <laughs> like
0: everything that breaks, everything that breaks is Rom's exactly. fault. That's uh, in And
1: Rom, like, you know. Is submissive and and bends over and, and he just takes it mm-hmm. from Quark. and he just accepts and it. That's, yeah, just and that's why it. we know that Nog is not gonna follow in Rom's footsteps as he sees that. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's it's a great point. Not only is Quark getting free, you know everything, everything but he's got his own free everything. Running the actual part of the job that requires some other sort of <laughs> maintenance along the way, and if it isn't fixed by the end of the day, I'm taking it out of your wages. Is what he tells him. Mm-hmm. So, yeah.
0: So his his business is 100 percent profit. He you know he gripes about having not having as much money as some other Ferengis that he knows, but no other Ferengi works or has a business that's set up where he where they have no risk. He has literally no risk. He has, he, not only does he have built-in um, energy for free, maintenance for free, he also has built-in security for free. He has, also he has housing on the station yeah. for yeah. free. Everything yeah. is free for him, and that he still charges people, and the thing is, everybody accepts it. Right. Like, that's the other part. Like, I don't, like, we have not seen a, a Starfleet officer officially pay for anything right. in Quark's yet. Right. But if I was a Starfleet officer and I walked in and I ordered a sandwich and he was like, That'll be, you know, four fifty, I'd be like, um, excuse me, are your lights on? All right. <laughs> that's my sandwich. And and walk so, out. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's it's an amazing concept, sure, but uh I wish I wish at some point they would address how currency, barter system, whatever it is, works within the Federation, yes. not Federation to Klingon, Federation to Romulan, but within the Federation, how do you procure goods and whatever else for your homes? Because, I mean, we've seen some of the Starfleet apartments of their of various officers and stuff, and they all have these very ornate collections of something, right. books, sculptures, various artworks. How did they get that? Did they find it themselves and just pause it up and put it in there? Did somebody give it to them? How did they get these things? And I, I do want that to be addressed at some point. Don't know if it ever will be, but again, I would love it if it
1: right. was. Right. Yeah, I okay. agree.
0: So any final thoughts on Heart of Stone before we close it out for the evening?
1: Yeah, as, uh, as the Wikipedia article I'm looking at says, this, this episode is very important for Nog and Odo, therefore, it's important uh, for anyone who is interested in those characters to watch this episode. But I think once you have watched it, it is, in a sense, kind of skippable. Uh, not because it's a bad episode, I but simply be because it's not quite as, I don't know, fun, interesting, exciting as some other episodes can be. Um, so, yeah, right. yeah, not bad, but eh. And
0: I will say, as another little tidbit of behind-the-scenes information to know, this episode marks yet another in which uh, Kira is enclosed or encased in something which um, played into her uh, struggles with claustrophobia. She did not like having to be bricked up into this horrible uh, stone mold, just like when the episode in Second Skin, when she had to wear the... uh, cardassian prosthetic uh she did not enjoy that at all so she said there was a struggle here in this episode as well having to basically sit as this thing is encased around her so she did not enjoy that imagine. um hopefully hopefully they move away from things like that but you know we'll see Still <laughs> we'll got see three and a half um, more
1: seasons to go
0: <laughs> oh yeah but um, I I will almost agree on whether or not this episode is overall skippable simply because the part with Nog and his development I think is crucial to what you see of the character later on in the show I you know as I kind of gave spoilers as to the legendary status that Nog achieves but. You see a lot, of, you see all of that really play out here by the end of Deep Space Nine. So it's very important that we see, like this is kind of the, the launching point. This is that kicking off moment. He is now fully matured to a point that he has earned the recommendation of a, of a Federation officer, which is required for any non-Federation um, person, non, a, a, a person from a non-Federation world, right. In order to join Starfleet, they need to have that sponsorship from a command-level officer. So that was crucial to him achieving his next step and going into to get to his goal of joining Starfleet. So that's why I say it's not entirely skippable, because without this, there would be none of the other things that come after it. Yeah,
1: definitely true. Definitely true. That's Yeah, I can tell that's going to be the case. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, guys, I think that's going to be it for us here on this episode of The Fire Caves, a Star Trek Deep Space Nine podcast. Please remember that you can find us and follow us on all of the various platforms and listen to us anywhere you listen to podcasts. As I said earlier, I happen to do it on Spotify. We would, of course, love to hear from you, so check us out again, Facebook, Twitter, and now YouTube, where you can watch our live broadcasts and then rewatch them or whatever it is that you want to do. You can leave comments there, of course, and as we say always, just uh, be courteous, be polite, and we'll get back to you as soon as we can. But until next week, take care of yourselves.
1: Thanks, guys.